0: Today we're going to be talking about obsessions. So this is an idea that occurred to us while taking some advice from a book of writing advice.
1: Yes, so we've mentioned this before. Evan and I have been working on writing a novel. Slowly but surely, we're getting through it. And part of working on the novel was seeking out some writing books. We we're like, we're we're not better than writing books. Uh, well, that's not what we thought at first. I <laughs> <Well>, think <but laughs> I think that, I think that what, 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 you know, what we've decided now is that we're certainly not better than writing books, but that a lot of writing books are written in a tone that just has not gelled with
0: us. And the, the book that gave us the idea for this episode isn't exactly an exception to that.
1: Yeah. So we've been reading, the book is Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg. It's a writing advice book from the 80s, I think. And uh, yeah, it's it's not an exception. I mean, Natalie has a certain vibe and her vibe is uh, a Jewish woman in her 30s, which I can relate to, um, who uh-huh. really loves Buddhism and chocolate, which that part, like there are parts that I can relate to, but it's She's really swimming in it.
0: <laughs> yeah. What we have found is that reading a chapter or two of this book a day has been genuinely inspiring and helpful for our own writing, even if we occasionally wince a little.
1: Yeah, it's been really good. And, you know, overall, the advice has been great and it's helped to keep us a little bit accountable to a daily writing practice because. We'll each read a chapter out loud, and the chapters tend to be, you know, as short as a half a page to a maximum of maybe three pages. So we read a little chapter out loud, and then we launch into 10 minutes of, like, free writing, sometimes inspired by what our friend Natalie has said, sometimes just whatever our whimsy is for the day.
0: And recently, one of her chapters concerned obsessions. She was talking about how obsessions are going to be a part of your writing, whether or not you want them to. So just acknowledge up front, what are you thinking about all day? What's going on inside your head? Don't resist it. Just let it be an accepted part of your mind and what you make.
1: And I mean, the obsessions chapter really vibed with both of us because you, you and i talk a lot about like oh when we're writing like what are the themes of our writing what do we care about like what do we have to say that's important and and adds depth and value to the world or like adds a meaningful perspective and natalie describing the things that you care about in your art as obsessions it, it like left room for it to be as big as like I care about labor movements to as small as well I mean I love chocolate if you're if you're yeah. Natalie um, or you know some of the and
0: clearly she owns it and she, owns she mentions it. chocolate like every chapter I
1: would say almost every chapter so I really I really believe that it's an obsession for her I just thought obsessions, I'd, I'd never thought about thinking of it this way. And so I. why don't I just read a short paragraph? Cool. Okay. So Natalie said in this chapter of obsessions, I have my writing groups make lists of their obsessions so that they can see what they unconsciously and consciously spend their waking hours thinking about. After you write them down, you can put them to good use. You have a list of things to write about, and your main obsessions have power. They are what you will come back to in your writing over and over again, and you'll create new stories around them, so you might as well give in to them. They probably take over your life, whether you want them to or not, so you ought to get them to work for you. So. We, we heeded her advice and we sat down and made a list of our obsessions and it, it was really fun.
0: Yeah, just like you were saying, compared to words like theme, obsession has so much more leeway for things to be silly or unreasonable or questionably useful for the world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I love that. I mean, when we start to talk about some of ours, like the scope of some of these just gets down to like like a little thing that happened a decade ago that was like a stupid passing thing in a store, but you just can't, it's just this moment where you're like, that was kind of (laughs) weird.
0: Right? So we're going to share some of the obsessions that we each came up with and talk about why we're obsessed with them and what form that takes in what we make.
1: Yeah. And I mean, one thing that I think is, interesting that I haven't quite figured out yet is that, you know, I made this list or we made these lists a few weeks ago. Looking back, I'm like, I'm not obsessed with this anymore. <laughs> like I feel like well, some of them. <laughs> I mean,
0: luckily I lost my old list. So my new list is up to the moment. Exactly what I'm obsessed. All
1: about. right. That's great. Yeah. Cause I'm like with mine, I'm like, this is old news. Uh, but I have highlighted <laughs> some of the ones that still feel Relevant, and I mean, I guess the the deal is, you know, maybe some of these will never make an appearance in our writing or art that we make, but it's it's nice to have this to kind of ground me and to draw from. Do you want to Should start? I kick us off? Yeah, yeah, kick us off. I want to hear now. See now, your list is going to be new to me because I haven't seen your new list.
0: So top of my list is Go, the board game Go.
1: Yeah, the board game Go, which I didn't know was, <laughs> we know there's a little bit of a history of me not knowing. That's actually, that yeah, a...
0: that's how we first met.
1: Yeah. Should I tell this story or do you want to tell this story?
0: Um, let, I'll say what Go is and then you tell the story. Okay, great. <laughs> so Go is a very old board game that came from China, maybe three to five thousand years ago. It's... A game sort of like chess. You take turns. Uh, One player is playing black pieces, the other white. Um, But it's simpler than chess in a certain sense because you're just placing stones that are all the same one at a time and they never move. And you place them on a grid and you're trying to sort of fence off empty space on this board. And that's it. It has a long, long history and has risen to sort of spiritual heights it was used by buddhists and considered sort of a buddhist game for a long time it was used in medieval japan as like state-sanctioned sports and to this day there's still a huge professional scene it also had like a bump of attention for being one of the high watermarks for artificial intelligence being able to play the game well. Long after chess computers surpassed the players, they were still terrible at playing Go. Until recently. Now we're in the AI age. So, I've been playing this since high school. I ran a Go club in college. I continue to watch Go games as I'm falling asleep every night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's been a huge part of my life for decades, and it's how we met.
1: It is, yeah, although my sort of context had to shift really quickly. (laughs) So in college, Evan and a friend of ours ran the College Go Club together, and part of building hype for the group was that you and our friend Drew made like pretty surreal posters that were like comics. Mm-hmm. And the comics featured two ghost stones, like sort of a little white circle and a little black circle in a variety of pretty surreal contexts. <laughs> and Evan and Drew would go every week and make a new round of posters and new comics and then would you know photo- photocopy them in the campus center and paste them in every bathroom across campus. And my every first every
0: single bathroom stall,
1: every single bathroom stall. Yeah. So my introduction to Go was just seeing these posters from week to week. And, you know, usually like the punchline would often be like, there's spiders on the roof. Like It wouldn't be like this is an ancient Chinese game. Come learn how to play. And so I thought they were just like these. Uh, like a a little character who was a white orb and a little character who was a black orb. And, you know, it would would end with like, come join us for Go in, you know, room B7. And I specifically remember, I mean, first of all, it was something great to look at in the bathroom. But I also remember one that ended with like a vista or a mountain or something. And it was like, you yeah, know, that was
0: quite a few of them. <laughs>
1: yeah, okay. So in my mind, I started to associate this with like, oh, this is just a club that goes places, <laughs> like <laughs> a little sort of surreal adventuring club, which was like, totally my jam. So after you know, a few months of seeing these posters in the bathroom stalls, I put on my little hiking boots and like got a hydra pack and I got ready to join the go club to go somewhere. And I showed up (laughs) and it was just a bunch of people like dead silent playing a board game. And I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) I got tricked. (laughs) Um, but I do remember that you taught me how to play Go, and then, you know, after that, I think it was a, another year or so before we actually, like, met and connected and became friends, but I... uh I thought it was really nice at the time I wasn't, I was just like not a board game person yet. Um, and and I think like it was such an abrupt context switch for me that I was not in a great place to like focus and learn Go because I still just like had my little shorts on and my hiking backpack. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm curious, you know, with, with Go because I know this has been an important part of your life. Do you feel like it's an obsession that has shown up in the things that you make? Or do you feel like now that you've called it out as an obsession, you can think of ways that you want to incorporate it into your writing or game design?
0: When I think about the question of what makes Go such an obsession for me, I think it's the self-revealing aspect of it. Because Go is very open-ended. There's a lot of ways to play it. And invariably, the way you play expresses who you are in that moment.
1: Mm. Like if you play sort of aggressively versus like playing for the long game.
0: Right. If you feel like uh, uneasy or inadequate, and if that's inspiring you to play more Passively and sort of huddling in a corner, or aggressively and just trying to prove something to yourself, or uh, in a sort of balanced wait and see, kind of waiting for other people to take the lead. Over and over, I end up feeling like I get a better sense of where I'm currently at by seeing how I play a game of Go than I do by just asking myself because I. I guess I just lie to myself if I just uh, straight up ask. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm feeling great. (laughs) And then then I'll go to a go board and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm desperate for a win.
1: Uh
0: Like I feel so behind and like from the get go, I'm acting like I'm 50 points behind and and in despair. Yeah. And it's always a conversation. It's always you're discovering this alongside somebody else's like personality and state of mind playing out on the board
1: so when you when you're playing a game of go online say is it pretty quickly that you can tell like oh this like i mean can you just sometimes tell like oh this player is angry
0: oh yeah absolutely i mean
1: or at least is playing aggressively
0: i can definitely tell aggressiveness and I can tell anger if it's like a switch where it's like, oh, they were playing pretty calmly until I moved there. (laughs) Yeah. And now they're just raging and like
1: Oh yeah.
0: Uh and it's you know, that's possible online, but in person, like you just it feels so intimate, this game. It feels like such a a revealing act. Of somebody's psyche to see how they play. And that element of sort of uncovering what's going on beneath the surface through the act of playing, I'm obsessed with it. I'm always thinking in our games, like, how does that play out? Where are the places where self-expression happens in the game? Anyway, I mean, there's there is a risk in this episode since we are dealing with obsessions for any given one of these to go on (laughs) for a long, long time. So I want to cap it there for go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's I mean, that's that's a good point. I know. I guess it's like we're we kind of have to do a thing in this episode where we say our obsessions without obsessing about them.
0: Right. I think I've already uh, flunked that one. Well, but... it's
1: hard, too, because, I mean, it's it's kind of inherent, though, in answering the question of why is it an obsession? So I guess we risk getting ourselves into a little bit of a feedback loop in this episode. But hopefully uh, it will be charming and aware. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's uh,
0: what's at the very top of your list?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's ordered by... I think I was just sort of ordering it by the order in which things came to mind. So I, I will, I'll just read the, from the top of the list then, because I feel like I'll get this out of the way and nobody will be surprised that at the top of the list I put sense of smell. This is an obsession that has been, you know, recent over the pandemic. I got uh, really into perfume. And which I feel like is something that I sometimes can, like my instinct is to talk about it a little defensively where I'm like, no, no, it's not what you think. Perfume can be really weird and unique, but you know, I was somebody, I never had an interest in like perfume or fragrance and I'm I'm fairly sensitive to fragrances. I mean, I get migraines, perfumes can trigger them, but this started with, I think I was just watching a YouTube video in the background one day while brushing my teeth. And, you know, it was, it was like one of these like influencer type of like skincare videos or something. And the person was like, oh, yeah, and I've also been wearing this perfume that, you know, it smells like root beer or uh, Dr. Pepper mixed with the smell of like a, a a doll's head, like a plastic soft doll head from the 90s. And I was like, what? so i had to go you know seek this out and it was the first time that i'd ever i mean it was like the first time i'd ever gone to a store to intentionally smell a perfume the perfume in question was dior hypnotic poison which has been out since the 90s and uh yeah it turns out it did smell like dr pepper and like a plastic doll's head and i was like oh man if something can smell like a plastic doll's head, then the sky is the limit for uh, mm-hmm. scents that I could like put on my body or just like uncap to, to be transported to a different place. So the obsession has developed since then. I mean, as you know, I've since ordered um, aroma chemicals online, the types of like aroma chemicals that you order from a lab to mix your own perfumes. And I've started to experiment with that. But I, I think that sense of smell, in terms of all of our senses, is a smell or is a smell, is a sense that is. I don't know. Like, would you say, Evan, that until I started to talk about it obsessively, that like sense of smell seems to be one that kind of takes a back seat?
0: Oh, yeah. And I guess I, I had this feeling of like indulging in smell sensory experiences was just. Like a very, a very extra luxury, kind of thing, and it's weird thinking on that now because I've got had the chance to you know, ride your coattails a little bit and get into <laughs> the world of perfumes and smells and aroma chemicals and, like, I'm all about seeing beautiful sights, tasting delicious tastes. I I, I don't have no idea why i had like some opinion of smells as being outside of those acceptable pursuits
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i think also there's i feel like there's so much more guidance in terms of like how to experience the world through the other senses you'll you know you'll read books that are like Mindfulness is about noticing the sights around you, you know, notice the green on the trees, or notice that there's a bird hiding over there. But um, you can actually really train your sense of smell. And that's been one of the best and coolest parts of doing this is that I think for both of us, as you've thankfully come into this obsession with me, like my sense of smell has just gotten so much more refined. You just go around and you smell things and it's like your brain wakes up. It's, it's so cool. It's so fun. And, you know, despite thinking that this is new, the final thing that I'll say about it is it unlocked this memory for me of being in kindergarten and in kindergarten, we had these little letter books, like like a book that was like the book for A, the book for B, C. The book for S was smells. And the book came with some scratch and sniff stickers. And I specifically nice. remember there was one that was an orange that smelled good. It smelled like an orange. And then there was one that was a little pickle. And I was obsessed with the pickle sticker. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like... After, I don't remember if you were supposed to like give the books back so, you know, the teacher could keep them safe, but I remember taking the book home and hiding it under my bed so I could <laughs> take it out in the middle of the night and, and sniff the pickle, so to speak. Um, <laughs> and I remember just like falling asleep, like scratching the pickle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny that both of our obsessions. Uh, have this like falling asleep while doing <laughs> yeah. it quality huh? <laughs> yeah
1: i just remember i was just like i would just you know just be scratching the pickle and it smelled oh god and i was i i mean i kept it for years and i it smelled for years i i don't think it ever lost its potency i think it probably just got thrown out when we moved from the from california to the east coast um So yeah, obviously, I could go on forever. But sense of smell is great. And that's been one that I've loved seeing. I've loved seeing it make an appearance in our writing. And I don't know if it's had a chance to make an appearance in our game design yet. Well, yes, it has. But yes, it, has. Uh, it, well, uh, it leads
0: pretty directly to one of the projects we're cooking. It's, on.
1: It's uh, literally the next project we're working on. But you know, I'll put a pin in that because we cannot obsess about our obsessions; we can only state them. So I'll, um, yeah. What's what's another one on your list?
0: So the next thing I wrote down was memento mori, the thought of death. Oh, uh, I feel like in conversation, in media. I'm very into death's presence. One of my favorite movies is Synecdoche, New York, which is very much about how awareness of death can color for better or for ill the entirety of a life. We talked about it in our last episode, too, about, you know, the final deadline that comes up when you pass all the others.
1: Yeah, yep. (laughs) <laughs> that is that is true, yeah,
0: and I think that particular way of looking at death is part of why it's so why I'm so obsessed with the thought of it because I feel in myself a sort of instinct to delay and to be motionless and to do less, and it's the idea of death, the idea that time is not infinite, the idea that I'm in this you know, brief existence that helps spur me to overcome that, that, that urge and act on my desires, like act on figuring out what I want to do and actually doing it. So for me, it's consistently meaningful and it adds something to my days to remember mortality. Uh, But apologies to anybody who's very into not remembering mortality. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a hard <laughs> mortality is an intense thing to confront. I think I think that's one theme that has appeared in our games a lot. I mean, I would say yeah. Noirlandia uh, confronts death. I think Questlandia confronts death in some really big ways when you it's like death of a society or culture or people confronting right loss of something that they've seen as a norm, Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways that death can manifest. And like one is like death of the self and the other is like death of what you know or knew.
0: I'm very into that way of putting it. I'm resisting the urge to just keep stoking the fire of this conversation.
1: This is actually... I didn't really expect that it was going to be hard to (laughs) just move on and not spend. Because I think that all of these things, I mean, I guess just the nature of them being obsessions means that we could spend an entire episode finding a way to make this relevant to our game design. (laughs) Right. Uh, Which is kind of fun.
0: So in that spirit, I'm just going to pass the ball right back to you.
1: Okay. Okay. All right, so another medium-sized item on my list is, oh gosh, I'm trying to think about exactly how to sum this up. All right, this this came from a conversation that we had years ago where uh, we were walking little, little Wayne, who was the dog that we had at the time, and uh, little Wayne was sometimes a bit of a difficult dog. And we were walking her at an off leash dog park, and Wayne like rushed up to another dog excitedly. And the, the woman whose dog had been rushed like grabbed her dog into her arms and said, Trixie did not like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she said it was such she was so upset. And I mean, I felt bad, but I was also like, oh, well, nothing, nothing bad happened. Like it was just, it was sort of this dog greeting at this place where it's expected that dogs are going to be off leash. And you and I kept walking and I was like, I hate that lady. I hate Trixie. (laughs) (laughs) And you were like, hey, you know, that lady has to be like that all the time. We just get to have this like passing sort of surreal interaction with that way of moving through the world. But like, she's just, she's just like that. And it's been an obsession of mine for years, just thinking about how we live in this world where there's like a, a current of normalcy that runs through. And within that current, there's like so many ways of interacting with people. And, you know, snatching your dog out like into the air and like saying that Trixie did not appreciate that. It's like it's not that strange. <laughs> uh huh. But it's sort of amazing to me that like humanity works on any level when we've all been kind of like socialized differently and are coming in with different moods and different, I don't know, like baselines of mental health. I, I don't even know how to sum this up of like, how does the world work? <laughs> um,
0: yeah, that's, you know, I don't have it written down, but that's an obsession of mine. The, the flexibility of social life Like the possibility of people being way out there in terms of behavior or demands they make or the way they talk and still having a totally integrated place in society. And for me, that's, you know, it blows my mind over and over and over because I've spent so much effort feeling like, well, I've got to work on myself to be an acceptable person. I've got to get my own behavior and way of being in line.
1: Yeah, I guess I f- I feel like sometimes when I think about like writing in characters, either into a game or into a story, you sort of have this division of like, these are the people who are interacting with the world in the normal expected way. And this is, this is the like, this is a weird character that they meet at a bus stop. And, uh... I I just feel like there's just like this huge gradient in there for for how people meet each other and overlap.
0: Yeah? Eh, I'm with you.
1: That's, that's what I I don't know. <laughs> it's a little hard to I'm not sure how to sum that up in in a sentence.
0: People are different. People it's are shocking.
1: People are different and it's shocking and I'm obsessed with it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so clearly so let's, Yeah, yeah. Let's,
0: so let's transition to doing some rapid fire.
1: I like that cuz yeah, this is this um th- this could just go on and on if we do all of these at the same length.
0: So let's let's still go back and forth. Okay. But just read out the obsession and briefly describe why you're obsessed with it. One sentence at most.
1: Should we even say why we're obsessed with it or just read out the obsession?
0: Uh Optional depends on whether you think you need it. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll I'll start. You start. <laughs> I'm just going down my list. Okay. Socialism.
1: Nice. Oh, are we going back and forth? Yeah. All right. Uh, altered states.
0: Ooh, good one.
1: Mm-hmm. You can take. You can steal any of these.
0: I'm stealing that one. Okay. Cool. Uh, ditto. Cool. Also, the dawn of everything, which is a book about the prehistory of human societies that blew my mind.
1: Uh, oh, nice. Okay, you gave me an idea for one that's not even on my list, but a book that I reference all the time in real life, A Pattern Language.
0: Oh, that's one of mine.
1: Mm, nice.
0: That's a book on architecture and how it shapes us and society. mm mm-hmm. uh, Video games? <laughs>
1: just just in general
0: just just in general there's so many examples i could go into i just i think video games for me are so often a private activity that they also have this feeling of like being my my like safe little haven mm-hmm. to like recover from the world and explore
1: i like that uh what is real What gives a day or a life meaning?
0: I've got conflict versus stasis.
1: Oh, I like it. It's similar
0: to that Memento Mori one, you know? Yeah. Just the idea of people being stuck. I'm obsessed with it.
1: Maybe everything. Maybe all obsessions just lead back to Memento Mori. I have uh, food, eating, cooking.
0: Another one of the senses. Mm Mm-hmm seems good to be obsessed with every one of the senses, really. I think
1: so. I mean, yeah, I guess if you were probably going to take any, uh, I, I'm sure that like any writing book is also just like, engage the senses. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I've got founder energy here.
1: Oh, yeah. Good I'm one.
0: can't get enough of the actions of founders, CEOs, powerful, rich people, and their particular way of viewing themselves in the world. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I have, uh, a Baudry Media. Baudry. Baudry. You know, like, uh, well, I just watched the movie this week, Eating Raul, which is about, um, some people who are a little bit prudish who were trying to save money to open up a restaurant, but they keep getting solicited by swingers. And so they just start killing them. Uh, it was a really Baudry movie and- I I like Baudry Media and I was like, oh yeah, I missed this kind of movie in my life. I don't know why I've just been watching like serious movies for years. Baudry. What
0: what, what does Baudry mean?
1: Oh man, I, I hate when you ask me to define something and then it reveals that I don't actually know the definition. I mean well, I'm like
0: that with like any word that people ask me about.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I consider Baudry like Uh, Not quite campy, but, like, maybe campy in this sort of, like, sexualized way. But I feel like you should Google it and tell me if that's right.
0: All right. I'm going to Google it.
1: Okay. Campy with sex. Is that Baudry?
0: Baudry? Baudry. Obscenity in speech or writing.
1: Hey, okay. That's, like, um... I feel A like
0: tale of unedifying Bodre.
1: <laughs> I feel like I wasn't so far off.
0: That. But uh is the noun form. That's what confused me. Bodre is the thing, and then oh, I so think I was body just without oh, the heart is the uh,
1: adjective. Bod, Okay, great. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> bow, body, bod, ba, Okay. What's yours? What's your next one?
0: I've got my own appearance as an obsession. Uh not necessarily the happiest one, but thinking about how I look and how I come off and what I need to do to change that. <laughs> See <everything, laughs> occupies a lot of my days.
1: Everything connects to Memento Mori, because we all have yeah. body bo- we all have bodies. Body
0: <laughs> bo- body <Yeah>. bodies.
1: <laughs> really struggling here. <laughs> Um, I have, um, uh, people making mistakes, sometimes big ones, and what redemption looks
0: like. I'm just chewing on that for a second. That's great. Thank you. You Do any of our games have people making mistakes and redeeming themselves?
1: You know, I'm going to say yes. I will say yes, because in Damn the Man, you start off by making a relationship and then saying that you've hurt that person in the past like 24 hours that like you were like in the past day you've become uncool and you have to be cool again and uh in questlandia you can pull on a mechanic of weakness and like be a shit be a shit uh be your shit self to get things done
0: yeah and questlandia also has a sort of mechanized way that relationships can be sort of strained or broken and have to be reformed
1: yeah, and I think can't you also have a? Uh, I don't want to say like asynchronous. What's what's the word? You your relationship. You can be okay with oh, yeah. somebody who's not okay with you, which I think right. is a good mechanic.
0: I've got uh, libertarians as an obsession. <laughs> oh my
1: god, you love <laughs> you just I love mean, those founders and libertarians.
0: I do. I, it's. I mean, obviously, you know. You've had to suffer through any hint of, of those concepts coming into the day, and then me going off on them for an hour. So. <laughs> I,
1: I I like when you rant, Evan, because you're such a you're <laughs> such a level and like calm and giving person, and I really like when you just get like really mad about Comcast or something.
0: <laughs> Libertarians and Comcast—they're the key.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I have crying, just crying, you know. I cry a lot. As
0: an an act or a concept? Both. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Uh, I've got The Clock Crew, which is an old internet, little online group of teenagers who were making kind of crummy, ironic animations and submitting them to newgrounds.com. And I was a part of it. And it was artistically a huge deal for me because it was all about embracing sort of different forms of value than the mainstream concept of what looks good, what's going to get the most appreciated. In particular, it was like about embracing getting bad reviews from people and just not being ruled by whether it's going to be popular or broadly liked. And for me, that really helped me like develop my own, artistic taste and style
1: That's a good one. I wish there were more opportunities for that.
0: Me too. Like, oh,
1: yeah. Where do you find where
0: I've tried to find <laughs> something equivalent and yeah. it's been really really difficult. It's either like too far in one end where it's just sort of cynical, completely like uninspiring levels of detachment or way too involved in making Great things and critiquing each other and pushing each other towards a very standard idea of greatness. So, uh, if you know any irreverent art groups, uh, hit me up. Gosh, that's
1: such a good, yeah, le- a legitimate question because I would love to know the answer as well. Uh, I have uh, the lady that said on a few on a walk a few weeks ago. We we passed two women who were talking, and as we passed, one woman just said. Thank you for that. Bless you. I will cogitate on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Evan. <laughs> Evan. <laughs> and then I wrote it down. And I I think about it a lot now.
0: I feel like I'm just so much better prepared to go to a game convention. with that phrase in my pocket.
1: Thank you for that. Bless you. I will cogitate on that. (laughs) Also, I'm going to say that every time that somebody says something like kind of crappy to me that I don't want to do, like, you know, I'm pretty soon I'm going to, oh, well, well, this will lead into another obsession. And maybe we can just say a few more. Um, Yeah. But uh, you know, in a, in a few weeks, I'm going to be starting a customer service job, and that's I have feelings about that. It's not something I'm particularly excited to do, but I feel like maybe it will be really empowering if, when somebody's like, "I'm mad," I can just be like, "Thank you for that. Bless you. I will cogitate on that, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see how long I last before getting fired." So. <laughs> Uh yep. And so so then I will just, you know what? Maybe maybe I'll just share two more. And the the second to final one I will share then is just um jobs and what's considered an important or valuable job and what isn't, because oh man, it's definitely on my mind these days. I my final one that I'll say, it's not my final one on the list, but the final one that I will say for now is um Star Trek and you know oh, like yeah. broader just broader like science fiction which d- discovering science fiction as a genre in 5th grade at the scholastic book fair was a really important moment in my life but star trek has just been a thread that has persisted throughout my life and it uh, is very special to me
0: um for my final one i'll throw out animation the art of animation which is connected to that clock crew one it's connected to a lot of them it's connected to conversations of stasis it's like about the art of motion and personality being revealed through it mm. uh and it's resulted in like a lifelong obsession about how animation is done especially 2D animation and the ways that people express themselves through their face their action, their walk particularly the walk the idea that you can have so much character just in somebody's walk you know, then extend it out from animations to watching you know, live action even and just seeing how if an actor finds the right way to walk their character it's like it it tells you everything you need to know instantly you're already in it
1: I wonder if I wonder how many people listening know that, like, you're a really good animator. Maybe that's not the well, way you would describe yourself, but that's the way that I will describe you.
0: <laughs> I mean, we do have that animation project that's like three quarters done we and do. has been for a few years. Yeah,
1: maybe someday I, it would be awesome to just it would be awesome to do that. Maybe when we find our irreverent art group, maybe that's just what's missing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Just gotta, just gotta find home in that irreverent art group and finish that animation.
0: All right, let's bring it home.
1: Let's bring it home. So, why
0: were we talking about obsessions? What yeah, just happened?
1: Yeah, what happened? So, kind of a weird. I don't know if it's helpful to sort of list our own examples to get people thinking about obsessions. I mean, I I feel like maybe this just risks being like forty five minutes of navel gazing or something. But I hope it wasn't. So,
0: I mean, for me, this when I think of the word theme, like what themes are in your work, it brings me back to grade school, school writing <laughs> class. Where it's like, what is the theme of The Great Gatsby? Is it longing? Is it loneliness? And it's it's always vague and profound sounding without having the detail to actually come to any sort of profound meaning or like revelation about it. It's just sort of like, oh, it was about love.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think on top of that, just sort of saying theme distills it down to this essence where it it leaves only one interpretation of what it means to have like gotten a piece of media or appreciated it. I mean, I can think of times in school where it was like, what was the theme? And I'd be like, longing. And they were like, nope. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. okay, guess I'll never talk again. <laughs> um
0: and and it's always, like, it's always has this sort of claim to being profound. Like, you know, there was never a book where they're like, the theme is the time that that guy said, bless you, I'll cogitate on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, even though that can be the most standout affecting moment. And that's why for me, using the term obsessions opens up the idea of just sort of trusting your own innate interest to find the the subjects that are the most important to you, and theme like, like theme or uh the heart of a piece or words like that would consistently lead me in the wrong direction of thinking it has to be some deep, deep feeling that I'm expressing,
1: yeah. Also, I mean I I think it's actually really good as a writing exercise because you can't make a novel or you can't make a game out of only the biggest themes because it's it's about the moments. Right? Like, you can say like, I want to write a novel about war, or I want to write a novel about class disparity. But what what do people do? What do they do day to day? What do their lives look like? Like, what are they cooking or smelling? Or do they play go? Like, I feel like those are the things that make it real.
0: And that's, you know, that that's yet another thing of just a sort of themes have a coyness. It's like, you don't come right out and say your theme in the book. It's for the English students to interpret. Yeah. But Obsessions, I can just have somebody playing Go. I can make it so you use a Go board. Yeah. I mean, Questlandia from the get go has, we've always used Go stones as the tokens for that game.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Go does make an appearance in Questlandia.
0: Obsessions have this way of like being directly applicable. And they don't have to be coy it can just be there so I hope that's that's an exercise that uh, some of you attempt and find some value in it definitely did a lot for us
1: so with that thank you for listening to us indulge in our obsessions and hope that this inspires you to indulge in yours The Design Doc intro and outro theme was written by our friend, musician, Pat King. Thanks, Pat.
0: Design Doc is hosted by the One Shot Network, which hosts other great podcasts like Mystery County Monster Hunters Club. Check out Mystery County Monster Hunters Club, an actual play podcast where the heroes are teens and the teens are a mess join a group of impulsive but well-meaning after-school monster hunters in the year 2006, doing their best to protect a weird little town in the 51st state of Superior. Through the game Monster of the Week, this cast of improvisers confronts cryptids, magic, and the biggest monster of all, feelings. Find the Mystery County Monster Hunters Club at mysterycounty.com or your favorite podcast app.
1: And finally, if you want a little extra way to support Design Doc, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com turtlebun. We've been uploading devlogs regularly at the end of every week. Every Friday, we post what we did every every day of the week. So, you know, if you want to be a part of a little turtle bond accountability and see what game projects we're working on. Uh, you, want you want to know. role
0: play as like a micromanaging boss. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. You too could be a, <laughs> a libertarian founder um, <laughs> for the low, low cost of $2 a month. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you again for listening we will see you soon heroes